0: If it's Tuesday night, then it's time for FNL Winter. That's right, it's episode number two, like one of your serials that's shown on Saturday mornings for the kids. We're here every Tuesday night on ESPNNH.com, as well as AM 900 and AM 1250 with a high school basketball game of the week, plus phoned in reports and text reports and everything else from correspondents around the state covering boys and girls NHI A hoops. Tonight's host of the program, a veteran for all of you listeners of ESPN New Hampshire, good evening, Mark Britton.
1: Hey Tim, how's it going? I kind of pronounced my name a little bit wrong, it's Breton, not Britain. Oh,
0: hey, I decided you were somebody <laughs> else, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of a guy named Britton too today, earlier.
1: Well, we've only done a few games together, but no big deal there. But good to be here, obviously, uh... Co hosting with you, filling in for Pat Gilroy tonight. A good, good, um, set of basketball games on hand. We have the FNL Winter Game of the Week presented by Bedford Ambul- Ambulatory Surgical Centers as I have uh, the trouble. You know
0: what? You gotta do what the rest of us do. We call Bas- it bask.
1: All right. I wanted to do that, but I just wanted to throw that out there for the first time I was saying it, even though I knew I was probably gonna screw up the, uh, the A word there, but. We got uh, that game over there at Pinkerton out in Derry with uh, Nick Anassis and Mike Bellevue on the call, which will be later tonight. Uh, 5-0 and Portsmouth taking on 1-3 and Pinkerton. A surprising 1-3 and Pinkerton, too. Usually Pinkerton's one of the uh, top-tier teams in Division I in basketball, and it seems like every other sport, for that matter, getting off a slow um, start there. And then we have other games on deck as well from... Uh, the BG game where they play Merrimack. We'll hear from Alex Liebowitz, and then Milford at Pelham. We'll hear from Mike Abelson from the New Hampshire Union Leader. Uh, Epping at Derryfield, a, div- a big Division Four matchup. Both teams undefeated. Uh, we'll hear from Pete Terrier from New Hampshire Sports Page, and then Trinity at South. We'll hear from Steve Laughlin um, through. Well, Tex, I suppose is mm. he's one of those ones that didn't don't really call in, but we'll hear from him uh, coming up later, as well as re- along with other scores around the state. Uh, a variety of games going on throughout all of the divisions one, two, three, and four, and a lot of good games as well. Of course, um, a lot of undefeateds and uh, a lot of other good games going on here, and obviously the game of the week and um, We'll have to see what else happens tonight as well. Well, in fact,
0: uh, tonight, like most nights, and Nick Anastas and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago before the first show, we seem to recall when high school basketball games were at 7 o'clock. And, in fact, we thought last week's game, up to a couple days before it, was going to be at 7 o'clock. Because, you know, you've got to get a JV game in. You've got to right. have a chance of some kind of a meal. And if you 're the visiting team, you have to get on a bus or a couple station wagons and get there and uh, but now it's it's it 's very heavy six thirties both the Tuesday night and the Friday night predominant nights of basketball. We will tell people uh, there are a couple of six o 'clock games tonight, Plymouth. Is at Laconia and Sanborns at Guilford, and again this is strictly in boys basketball. But everything else, including the ones that we have correspondents calling in as well as uh, texting in, uh, to keep you and me updated so we can update the audience, those are all six thirty games. So they're the typical time. I will also point out that I've uh, I looked at our fine production to the right. Part of what we do after the games, very similar to the football is not only get a phoned-in report again from the people who then their games have ended, but we get a chance to, you know, expand a discussion, if you will. If there's uh, anything you want to talk about the Celtics, anything you want to talk about in sports in general, uh, until 9 o'clock tonight. But uh, one feature we've been saving for that portion of the show is Tom King's weekly look at NHIAA hockey. And... um uh, What I see is the same one that played last week. So we're either going to play it again, or you and I are going to talk about a lot of other things. But I just don't want hockey fans out there to think, well, of all things, the old retired goalie didn't play Tom (laughs) King. If I don't play Tom King, it's because what they've given me to play, you heard last Tuesday night. But if you didn't hear last Tuesday night, we might crank it up
1: anyway. Well... Tom King's usually one of the more busier men around this around the station, and he has always has the good Hawk report and any other report as well. Obviously, you can he- always read his stories from the Nashville Telegraph every well every morning. I suppose when you wake up with a newspaper and a nice brew of coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I usually read the paper anyway with my hot cocoa or my water or what have you. But we're gonna have a good slate of games on hand. Um, we'll be hearing from our first correspondent a few minutes. It looks like right here. Um, Get a little brief on, on the game that will be coming up on Alex Lebowitz's correspondent. It will be Merrimack, Bishop-Gurton, 3-1, and Merrimack, 1-2, and BG. Tim Glenday's Bishop-Gurton Cardinals uh, off a, to a slow start as well. Merrimack has a uh, decent offensive um, strategy, but their defense is kind of lacking. They're allowing opponents 174 points to their own 109, so they've been outscored but have a winning record. Uh, they got Ann Cummings who has 12 points per game, a season-high 16 in three games, and then they play BG who's averaging 52 points per game, which is pretty good for high school basketball standards. Uh, Mike Rinko is their leading scorer at 13.7 points per game, season-high 18 in three games played and they're also lacking on defensive end a little bit as well. They're allowing appoint- opponents 172 to their 156.
0: We, we thought, uh, the we being Tom King and I, so I can share the blame if we turn out wrong in March, but uh, we were talking probably on a noon to three show about basketball. In fact, uh, we had in general had uh, uh, Mr. Bishop on from BG and talked sports in general. But our, uh, our thinking was a 500 team this year because they're rebuilding.
1: Yeah, as we see the 1-2 record, and BG's, along with Pinkerton, one of the other ones up up there who always have one of those winning records and one of those teams are always kind of looking out for in Division One a kind of off to a slow start, which leads other teams to get up to even better starts than what they usually have, so it makes it for a good division all around.
0: So joining us on the phone right now is our first of the scheduled correspondents. We are going to get of all things, that Merrimack-BG game uh, previewed, we say good evening to uh, Alex Liebowitz. How are you doing, Alex?
2: Hey, Alex. I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: We're doing fine. So your general thoughts leading into this game tonight?
3: Well, today, Bishop Gertin, they're trying to notch their second win of the season as they're hosting Merrimack, Merrimack 3-1, and one, uh, BG 1-4. BG, they're led by 6-4 senior Mike Rinko. He's averaging just shy of 14 points per game, and he's coming off of an 18-point performance last week. That's a season high against Loving They end up losing that game. But it's not just Rinko who poses a challenge for Merrimack today. The roster is pretty stacked with size, six players over 6-2, uh, which at this level is, is a lot of size. Um, and that should pose a bit of a, of a threat for uh, Merrimack because uh, they're a bit on the smaller side. Um, Merrimack, they're led by Junior Ian Cummings. Cummings averaging about 12 points per game this season, and their senior leader is Dan DeColk. Uh, or McKillop, rather, uh, he's averaging about 10 points per game. And their lone loss this season was to Bedford a week ago. The score of that game, 50-13. to 13. So they've had some trouble uh, scoring uh, in, in recent games, which, again, playing a, a team with size, uh, that could be a, a problem. Um, and both these teams, Division One, and they're trying to, to climb up the rankings uh, today.
1: So, do you um at the gym right now? Do you see any uh buddy from the Merrimack side that has a chance of stopping Rinko from scoring um over eighteen again this week?
3: Uh, well, you know it's going to be tough. I'd say Ian Cummings or McCall or McKillop are probably the two guys who who will be able to to stop Rinko. Although mm-hmm. Rinko has size, he's six four. I and McKillop uh, and Cummings. They're about six one, six foot each, so it's going to be tough. I I expect them to try to double team him uh, and and try to try to focus their defensive plan around him rather than just attack him with one guy.
0: All right, Alex. We'll uh, take your phone call at halftime just to find out some behind the scenes info and the score. But more importantly, we look forward to having you on the air. All of these games, including one we're broadcasting, is at 6.30. So we look forward to hearing a post-game uh, summary from you.
3: I well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Thanks, thank
0: you, Alex. Very good. Alex Leibowitz here on ESPN New Hampshire. Uh, that Merrimack game was expected to be competitive. And uh, the thing that I gathered out of all of this, uh, Nick Anastas had as a post-game interview, the Bedford coach, First time this year, first time in a long time for this coach, he decided to play zone. Bedford doesn't play zone. Obviously, Merrimack, who sees them all the time, expected them to be man-on-man, and they just didn't know what to do with the zone. It really threw them for an hour. It just did.
1: Zone zone defense is one of my favorite defenses to play. Um, I'm surprised a lot more coaches don't use the zone because it is very effective as – Merrimack saw last week how they only scored 13 points in a four-quarter game. Um, It doesn't matter if you're doing 2-3 or 3-2. That zone is pretty effective, especially at the high school level, where you know, obviously, like you just mentioned, the coaches there, they thought they were going to see man-to-man all game. They ended up seeing a zone, and that throws off a lot of offensive strategy.
0: One of the fun things was, as Nick and uh, Coach Belvo were doing their game, we were listening to uh, Justin McIsaac and Dave Haley on the computer uh, doing another game, and as they read tweeted results, tweeted updates from the Merrimack Bedford game they didn 't believe it. They were actually asking whoever was putting out the false info to <laughs> knock it off to get off of Twitter because you know they 'd look at it and it would be you know forty one to six and they just did not believe. This could be real, maybe it 's the girls' game, maybe they just it was that stunning maybe it was the freshman of, game <laughs> yeah, it was that stunning of a one sided game that they discounted reading about it on Twitter. They decided ah, this can 't be so obviously, I had a little fun being in here Saturday morning for the New Hampshire uh, sports page people as they do their high school hoop show every Saturday morning, nine to eleven uh, i 've been doing the first four or five this year and Sean will be back this week, everybody that's a Sean Sandell fan. He hasn't <laughs> been replaced, he'll be here. But, um, you know, I got I got to look Dave Haley in the eye and go, you know, it was a real game, we were broadcasting it and, <laughs> and that really was the score. And I uh, had a little fun with the subject this uh, past Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, you gotta have fun with that. Um, obviously, if you're the coach at Merrimack, you're not having as much fun as everybody else. But you know, you still got a winning record, which one game. Bedford's usually one of those top tier teams anyway, so you gotta kinda of put that behind you. Now it's another week. Um B G you got a team right here that you can possibly beat and get that fourth win on the season. Obviously, as Alex described, B G does have size, um it's big size for a high school team, and obviously B G they get kids from all over, then don't just get kids from Nashville, so they kinda of have um that uh positive enactment right there on the uh program um but Merrimack they I'm sure they're obviously frustrated they played a game since since last Tuesday so I'm sure they're going to come back all you know all fired up and ready to go and try and beat a BG team and a team that they probably need to beat somewhere down the line as well it's it's a
0: little bit of an irony to tell you the truth but it's the division 1 schools that are much earlier into their schedule because they all participated throughout the state in various holiday jamborees right whether the one we broadcast uh, four games from the Chick-fil-A one at Nashua High South or the people who went up to Concord NHTI and played up there. So they were only playing like their third game or so that was regular season games. When you look down the scores in divisions two through four, where no such sort of participation took place, they were all into the five games in. You really now had a feel. Uh, who's undefeated, 5-0? and oh, Who's also been really good at the beginning, 4-1? and one. Looking at standing in stats from Division One didn't mean anything. Because if you had the one night you scored 30 points, it seems like you're a high score. No, that was your one night. You were back to your 12 or 14 <laughs> or whatever you normally do in a game. So we are waiting next on um, FNL Winter to hear from the union leaders, Mike Alberson, He's going to be in Pelham tonight, and he's going to have the Milford at Pelham game. So I think we're going to keep it right here for a couple minutes because he's due any time, and later a report from uh, the aforementioned Pete Terrier, who uh, is gone to Dairyfield tonight.
1: Yeah, and we'll be waiting for Mike's call and where he's at. Where it's top the top two teams in Division Two, Milford and Pelham both undefeated. Obviously, Pelham a um, couple years ago were they dominant in Division Three, winning state championships, and they moved up to D two, and they look like they're still in a good force to be reckoned with obviously their coach left over the offseason to go coach bg and obviously the coach that stepped in for pelham is doing an awesome job as well as they're under the pythons are undefeated um and they're going to be up for a pretty big task tonight against a milford team that's undefeated and looking to dethrone pelham off their undefeated streak as well
0: now we will point out that on tuesday night's this wins out because it's local, and you fans have been great over the years supporting the sponsors of this, including uh, a shout-out when your family needs it, quite frankly, to the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center. So, you know, if you're particularly maybe the 1250 listeners up north and are saying, oh, I wanted to listen to the Bruins game, I wanted to listen to the Celtics game. Well, just as all Friday night games we were king with football, on Tuesday nights we're king with basketball, and uh, you can't please everybody by putting everything on. I would point out the great advantage uh, in a state like this, Mark, is the streaming audio. Mm. Uh, I I would guess this is, I mean, I have read some stats in the past. It's an educated guess. About eight out of ten listeners right now to Your Voice are listening on TuneIn or the website directly. So it's great. You know, you can follow games that are taking place 70, 80, 100 miles from here in other parts of New Hampshire and listen in. So you don't have to be in the greater Nashua area at night trying to hear mm-hmm. AM 900. You don't have to be in uh, Manchester to listen to 1250.
1: All right. That, that's what makes it such a big advantage in this day and age and where people can listen to all over the place and – Obviously, listening to high school basketball, and if you're an alum that's listening in Pennsylvania or Virginia or might have you, uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll have a good uh, plethora of games here tonight all around the state, and it looks like we have uh, Mike Abelson from the New Hampshire Union Leader on deck. No, it, no we don't.
0: No, that was our uh, fateful play-by-play man checking all in. All right,
1: that was, that was Nick Anastas from Pinkerton checking in on us. Uh, we'll hear from him uh in a little bit as well, um between here and there, and then you'll listen to his game of the week coming up at six thirty or so. That will bring you up till halftime, and then he'll bring you through the rest of the game. Obviously, Nick gonna have a good call tonight against the Pinkerton Astros and Portsmouth Clippers.
0: Well, someone who wears, wears, I should say, a wristwatch and is right on time is Pete Terrier. So we're going to skip down to the Epping at Derryfield game and say to New Hampshire sports pages, one and only
4: Pete Terrier. Good evening, Pete. Hey, Pete. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? An, and look, uh, it's not that I'm always on time. I usually am not on time. And this game isn't going to start on time. It's actually going to start early. So we got a big one in Division Four in the city of Manchester. It's the Derryfield Cougars welcoming in the Epping of the Blue Devils, and this is a matchup of two teams that are off to great starts. Derryfield six and zero on the season, meanwhile Epping is four and one, and it's really a battle of two of the best big men in all of New Hampshire high school basketball, especially in Division Four. Jackson Rivers, the outstanding center for Epping, and Sam Anderson. Uh, The good big man for Derryfield. Anderson comes in averaging 18.7 points a game to lead his team. Had a big game earlier this year, 34 points against Wilton, Limbo, and Rivers. He's averaging 22.4 points a game, and he put up 35 in a win over Pittsfield earlier this year. Now, as I mentioned, Epping uh, 4-1 coming in. They lost their opener against the favorites in Division 4, the defending champs uh, from Littleton on opening night. That game was in Epping, but they have rattled off four straight wins, one of them an impressive win on the road at Pittsfield, a one-loss team so far this year. And then Derryfield, the question mark is just how good are they? They are 6-0, and but the schedule hasn't been all that tough. Even their coach, Rob Bradley, admits he doesn't know how good they are. So we're going to see a true test tonight. The Blue Devils in here for a good one in Division Four, Epping and, uh, Epping and Derryfield. And if you guys are uh, into this thing called Twitter, best way to keep up to date on uh, the scores from this game, I'll be tweeting out every chance I possibly get, at Pete Terrier. You just follow me, at Pete Terrier, on Twitter. And I'll get to the updates that way. But I'll call in with a halftime update for you guys, and then I'll talk to you again after the game.
1: Okay, thanks, Pete.
4: All right, guys. All
1: right, that was Pete Terrier from uh, Derryfield. And what's going to be a good game against... uh... The Epping Blue Devils, and obviously he mentioned the two big centers.
0: Yeah, and, and probably, you know, when I think about where Route 125 comes up, this is, this is actually a, a, a regular rivalry, I would think, in sports. Mm. There's not a whole lot of miles between Epping and Deerfield. So they would, uh, they would hate each other no matter what the surface is. Grass, court, ice, anything. <laughs> However, there is a little bit of a haul from the Massachusetts line in Pelham to get over to Milford. But it's Milford that had to go the other direction. As we say hello to the union leaders, uh, Mike Alberson. Good evening, Mike.
2: Hey, Mike. Mike. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Mike Albersen here, coming at you. Just wanted to make sure I got my name right out there. Yep. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, here at Pelham. to do it. a uh, dedication for Ralph Walsh, who was uh, uh, on the program as a uh, fan and friend of Pelham basketball for over four or four decades. Um, yeah, really good crowd here tonight. Um, and you talk about a hall from Milford to Pelham, uh, I'm from I'm from Methuen, and it's, it's a haul up the back roads from Methuen, up Old Gage Hill Road, coming up the back to Pelham, so it's is hard to get here, but worth it tonight, two real good teams, uh, a real good test tonight for Pelham, here in Division 2 against one of the Division's best, um, this should be a real fun game tonight.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, two of the top two teams, um, what do you expect from two undefeated going at each other here tonight? <laughs>
2: Well, I, mean, I saw Milford in the national Christmas tournament give Merrimack all they could handle. Uh, Ryan Ryan Ban- there starting. They listen to the full word. He's more of a guard. Um, he he is he is the real deal. He's a very good player. Um, can can dish it, can shoot it, can board it. He can do pretty much anything. Uh, tell him, I mean, there's there's no Keith Brown, <laughs> so they, they've been they've been making it work. Uh, Kyle Frank and Joe Pantaleo, really good place to start. Those two guys, um, the only two seniors on the squad. Those are a couple of real talented players. Give them a real good veteran presence as they had key roles in the two uh, team on the teams the last couple years that won the championships. Um, as far as uh, prediction goes, you know, I mean, I, I just want to see this game close. Uh, Milford hasn't had any close regular season games so far this the season, and Pelham's had a couple four or five point games. So they're figuring out how to win close. Milford hasn't you know been up against it with their backs against the wall, but I mean Dan, Dan Murray's been through his share of games with the Spartans, so I don't think they'll be too hard, but I would still love to see it here in what's going to be a pretty packed house tonight. WMUR in the building with their TV cameras. It uh, should be a fun night here in the Python pit.
1: Yeah, uh, Sounds like it should be a fun night. Uh, thank you, Mike, and we'll hear from you at halftime for the score update.
2: All right, we'll do. <laughs> All
1: right, that was... Uh, we heard from Pete, we heard from Mike. Uh, both have pretty good games here tonight. Uh, We'll take what Mike just talked about, two undefeateds in Division II. Uh Kyle Frank is definitely going to be someone to look out for in the Pelham game. He had a season-high 28 points, averages 21-plus a game in four games played. So he's definitely going to be a scoring threat for Milford to uh, handle. Obviously, he mentioned Ryan Benes- Beneskevich, uh, another one of those names that's hard to pronounce and kind of a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah. But he's another one that's going to be um, one to look out for here tonight. He had a season-high 21 a couple nights ago, and averages over 16 points per game. And then, obviously Pete is uh, down in uh, Derryfield, as we mentioned earlier, and the two big centers there, Sam Anderson and Jackson Rivers, as he mentioned, Rivers had a season-high 35. Sam Anderson had a season-high 34. So it's going to be the battle of a big men. Maybe uh, maybe a little bit of Chamberlain Russell-esque over there in Derryfield tonight.
0: Well, we're going to take a break now. That allows us to hear behind the scenes, quite frankly, both of our men, who are uh, waiting to do the Portsmouth-Pinkerton game? Get how close they are to the national and that sort of stuff. And that way, you and I know how much longer we're going to talk about high school basketball. Uh, <laughs> later on, though, uh, Mark Breton's in the house. If you don't think we're going to talk about vroom, vroom, zoom, zoom, <laughs> and taking left-hand turns for three hours on a day in which Carl Edwards hung it up, I don't understand this. 28 wins, and he's not an old man, but he hung it up. But we ain't got time for it now. Just know that before the evening's out, that is going to be topic one A on FNL Winter each and every Tuesday, ESPN New Hampshire. Stay tuned.
5: FNL Winter on ESPN New Hampshire. Don't you, Christian don't you, and King. Don't you.
1: Back here on FNL Winter Game of the Week coming up pretty soon, presented by Basque Nick Anassis, and Mike Bellevue out there in Pinkerton. That game coming up in just a few minutes. We'll dish it off to them. Uh, quick things I want I want to see tonight. Well, here tonight from Nick is how good Cody Graham and Jay Reynolds actually are. Graham averaging just over 17 points per game had a season high 22. Jay Reynolds averaging just a little over 14 with a season high 19. And it looks like two of the teams are pretty much equal, even though their records don't, don't look like it. Uh, Pinkerton has a team averaging 169 overall points to their opponent's 189. So a little differential there on the defensive side. Portsmouth has 386 to their opponent's 268. So a little over 100 points differential between Portsmouth and their opponents, and that's why it looks like Portsmouth's 5-0 because of that differential.
0: We actually would like to once again thank Alex, Mike, and Pete for their pregame uh, reports. We've really got all the good ones covered. In fact, they are looking forward to uh, some text messages coming in from uh, Trinity at South as well tonight. And uh, again, we play no favorites. Anything we get from Divisions 1 through 4 And anything we get, whether it's boys or girls basketball, is a predominantly boys basketball night. It'll be shared with you every Tuesday night here on ESPN New Hampshire on FNL Winter, which, uh, by the way, is uh, on Tuesdays, kind of like the name being kept as FNL for Friday Night Lights when Nick and Coach do football games. And just as a final aside, because I know they're listening and maybe they're at anthem time down there, I think this has been one of the more fun transformations, Mark, as a listener. I listened to Mike for many a Saturday morning with Sean Sandell. Heard him doing games a couple years ago on this station. because I didn't personally have anything to do with running the equipment. I was maybe in the other studio with Matt destat Porrier trying to get some of the scores in. And then last year for basketball season, well, there's Coach Mike again. And I'm going, well, you know, uh, he has more fun and brings more insight to that hour and a half of radio. I think it's not that it's through a new kid's eyes. I'm sure he's wherever he's coached, he's seen all the various teams. But, man, does he enjoy calling a basketball game with Nick. And I just wasn't expecting that. I thought he'd sound like a football coach doing color. And instead, he's a great basketball color commentator.
1: Well, and then it, it helps to have a good partner like Nick, so... It helps out a lot. Yeah, it, help,
0: it helps <laughs> quite a bit, as you found throughout uh, all of your uh, work doing Silver Knights baseball. Uh, it's a lot more fun with Nick than without. I'm going to say now, then, it's going to be time to head on out to Pinkerton Academy and let's welcome in. Uh, we've buttered them up as much as we can. Let's say good evening to uh, Mike Belvo and our own Nick Anastas. Good evening, fellas.
5: And welcome here to Pinkerton Academy in the town of Derry. Nick Anastas along with Coach Bellevue getting sent for our FNL winner game of the week. It's presented by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers. Pinkerton against Portsmouth. The Clippers unbeaten coach coming in. And in the early part of the season, they have looked like the team to beat.
6: Oh, they're a fun basketball team. They're averaging somewhere in the upper 80s, <laughs> getting up and down the floor and really filling it up. But, hey, they're on the road tonight, Division One, Pinkerton Academy, proud school coached by Pete Rosinski, tough basketball team. You know it's going to be a grind all night long. I'll be real interested to see how Pinkerton's defense steps up against this high-powered Portsmouth Clipper offense.
5: Astros on a bit of a roll themselves as they've won a few ball games in their own right, including a big one over Winnikunit their last time out in upset, trying to pull the ultimate upset tonight against Portsmouth, who, as we talked about, by and large, the number one ranked team in the country. First year back in Division One for Coach Mulvey's Clippers. Tip goes to Pinkerton. Astros are going to move left to right here in their home white uniforms. Red lettering. Around the corner, here comes Jay Reynolds. He got a baseline, Jay, here from the near side. Up and in with the right hand, 2-0 Astros. Yeah, just a
6: sophomore, Jay Reynolds. He's a scorer, running the baseline from right to left. Little floater, nothing but net. Good start for the Astros.
5: Pinkerton falls back at a 1-2-2, 3-quarter court press. And Portsmouth beats it right to left, 3 on the way. And went short by Mike Sanborn. Rebound to Pinkerton as the wing 3 from the far side came up a little short. 2 nothing Pinkerton. Coming up on a minute gone here in the first quarter. A zone look here defensively from Portsmouth on trip number two for Pinkerton. Drive and dump, right-hand finish. Won't happen. It rolls off the rim. No good there for the Astros. Mike Fabrizio, and Portsmouth clears the rebound.
6: Yeah, Fabrizio, he's got to make that bunny right there. He was well set up, foot and a half from
5: the hoop. Three-pointer near side. That one too strong for the Portsmouth star Cody Graham. Weak side rebound goes to Reynolds, and Pinkerton... We'll come back left to right on trip number three. 2-0 Astros. Portsmouth again falling back here, and now it looks like in man-to-man. Here's Reynolds for three. Up top, and that one in the hole.
6: Jay Reynolds
5: already with five points. It's 5-0 Pinkerton.
6: Jay Reynolds, five. Portsmouth, Clippers, nothing. What a nice start for the sophomore guard.
5: Again, a 1-2-2 look here from Pinkerton. Portsmouth takes their time and brings it into the front court right to left. Again, it's swung into the far corner for Glenn, who has started on this squad since he was a freshman also is their quarterback on the football team in the fall Glenn now gonna wind up for three far wing off target and a muscle rebound inside for Fabrizio of Pinkerton as the Astros continue to attack the glass 5 nothing, Pinkerton they've got the basketball here left to right threatening to extend their lead with two minutes gone by in this first quarter here's Reynolds up top Portsmouth again in a loose zone Reynolds a fade away from up top too strong that went off the back iron. Rebound going to be wrestled away for Portsmouth's Christian Pete. Able to muscle it. Clippers have it right to left. Again, it's Glenn I Got to pass this time on the three and swing it around. near side wing now. That three on the way up and in. It's Mike Sanborn. 5'11", junior, who posted up. Good rotation leads to the open shot. And Portsmouth finally on the board, trailing 5'3". Two and a half gone first quarter.
6: Yeah, Portsmouth mostly shooting from the perimeter without their big fella Joey Glenn, who's injured and on the bench tonight. We were hoping to see him play. Right now, it's all perimeter jump shooting for the Clippers.
5: Step back three in the far corner on the way for Pinkerton's Nick Bartone. No offensive rebound comes up short on a fadeaway there by Fabrizio. And Portsmouth finally going to get to it as Glenn throws it up the floor. Here's Parnham back up top to Glenn, who again passes on a shot, now is fouled on the closeout. By Pinkerton's Casey Giordano, who reaches in with the left hand. The junior picks up his first. First team foul. Either way in this first quarter, 5-3 Pinkerton. Cody Graham. What would I say there, Coach? Glenn. Glenn. Had Glenn on the mind. Glenn in street clothes, you mentioned yeah. over here, missing a third straight game with an ankle. He's the starting center. Portsmouth trying to tie it instead. It's picked off. Giordano at the near elbow. Intercept a skip pass. Pinkerton forces a turnover. Astros left to right looking to capitalize as we... Come upon the midway point here, first quarter, 5-3. Pinkerton with the lead. Astros taking their time. Coach Brzezinski on his feet near the scorer's table. That's where we're seated here on the near side. Trying to direct the offense. Here's a spin move and a wild banker there. A little too strong by Matt Anzabino, whose first shot is off target. Three-pointer now far side. Graham lets it fly. It's too strong. The ball goes out of bounds here near side on the baseline. And last touch by Portsmouth as Christian Pete tried to reel it in with the left hand. Instead, out of bounds back to Pinkerton. Astros on top 5-3 midway through this first quarter.
6: Yeah, right now, again, Portsmouth moving the ball around the Pickerton zone, not able to knock down jumpers consistently. They have they have not had any emphasis in trying to pound it inside. We'll see if that changes.
5: Now a loose full court man here from Portsmouth. Coach Mulvey continues to change up the looks. Pinkerton will get it into the front court. Far side with the dribble is Giordano and an offensive foul is called. At the left hand dribble pushed off with the right along the far sideline. And Mark Cormier, one of tonight's officials, all over that one. It's Cormier and John Durham, the longtime referee. So an offensive foul will give it back to the Clippers. Slow start on offense, Coach. They
6: show five three. But they are super on defense. They always have been. I've been watching the Portsmouth Clippers for many a year, and they are just tremendous. We coach under Coach Jim Mulvey defensively. Attack, you,
5: well, you can hear play. Coach Mulvey here just in front of us directing the traffic. And there's a finish inside. Yep, Alex Tavares, sophomore. Able to sneak around on the far block and finish with the right hand from a foot out to tie the game at five.
6: That's what I was talking about. Portsmouth that point no commitment to go inside but they found Tavares and he did a nice finish.
5: Portone a spin move but a wild shot off the rim as he came crashing down the far side of the lane. Rebound Portsmouth quick outlet and there's Parham with a right hand finish off the glass. That is back to the rim there kind of flicked it over the shoulder. Real pretty
6: right there by Sean Parham.
5: Yeah another one of these Portsmouth veterans who's very quick. Meanwhile Clippers after starting out cold they've rattled off seven in a row they have their first lead here 7-5 just over three minutes to go first quarter. Now it's Pinkerton's turn to try and play catch up. Trap in the corner and a turnover. It's here on the near side. Matt Anzavino ran into the double team from Graham and Parham and lost the ball out of bounds on the baseline. So the Portsmouth defense that you talked about, Coach, they get the ball back. They beat the 1-2-2 into the front court here right to left. Parham going to tee up a three from the far (laughs) wing and drop it in the hole. Ten straight for Portsmouth. They're out in front, 10-5. They are not shy
6: about letting it fly. You can tell why they're scoring so many points. They just ripped off ten points in the last minute and a half.
5: And they're changing up defensive looks almost by the possession. Now a 2-3 zone. Meanwhile, a three up and in. Far corner for Bortone, the senior. Able to post up. Knock down his first shot. Makes it 10-8, and that stops a Portsmouth 10-0 run. Meanwhile, Tavares inside, swarmed, but he'll score anyway. Triple team, they will spin to his right, finish with the right over the front lip of the rim. Portsmouth's lead now 12-8.
6: Portsmouth's going to be tough all night if they have the inside-outside presence that we're seeing right now.
5: Man-to-man now this time for the Clippers defensively. Pinkerton trying to work left-to-right as we come up on two minutes to go in this first quarter. Nice drive there, but the layup won't go for Bortone. Weak side rebound, punched out to Portsmouth. Graham now leading traffic right to left, has Parham trailing, but that line drive three off target from the far wing, off the back iron, rebound to Pinkerton. And Anzivino will bring it himself with the right hand across midcourt, left to right, Pinkerton down 12-8. Anzivino to the near wing, stopped, gets it over to Reynolds who drives middle. Leaves it far side, three attempt for Bortone, back iron no, and then a foul on the rebound here near side. Over the back yeah. on Anzovino. Good box out there by Christian Pete for Portsmouth. It'll be Clipper ball with a 12-8 lead.
6: Yeah, Anzavino trying to keep the ball alive for the Pinkerton Astros. Just like you described perfectly, Nick, coming over the back.
5: 12-8. Pinkerton scored the first five. Portsmouth the next Ten against the one two two right to left three in the corner <laughs> it's an all that's against Sanborn his second is the junior who's ready and waiting in the near corner lets the right hand three fly
6: no hesitation on the part of the Clippers they get it they triple threat square up if they like it they're letting it fly they don't care if it's from three point they, they love to shoot the ball outside the arc
5: and their active run now is 15-3 deleted 15-8 coming up in a minute now offensive foul it's here on the near wing it's on Giordano Drop that left shoulder into the defender, Pete. Pinkerton going to regroup here. Timeout. Coach Rosinski wants to talk it over with just over a minute remaining in this first quarter. Pinkerton now trailing 15-8 to against Portsmouth.
6: Yeah, and you, you described uh, the fact that on each end, the last three possessions for Pinkerton Academy, they've seen three different defenses from the Portsmouth Clippers. Matchup zone, man-to-man, little trapping action, double down on the baseline. Their offense, their, their spurt, this 15-3 to 3 run, has really been triggered by some tremendous defense on that end of the floor.
5: Coverage tonight brought to you as usual by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers. BASK now will do imaging options. Check it out online at both bedfordsurgical.com and baskimaging.com. Also by Apple Therapy. Proud supporters of the 2017 Student Athlete Scholarship Program. A different boy, a different girl is named Scholar. Athlete of the Month, and then the monthly winners at the end of the year gather for a banquet and a chance at $2,500, a $2,500 scholarship awarded to the Student-Athlete of the Year. That is brought to you again by Apple Therapy, bringing you back to your life. Here's Sanborn as play resumes another three, same spot here in the near corner for Portsmouth. Michael Sanborn, he's in Fuego. The boy's on fire. He's got nine. Portsmouth's lead is 18-8, and they're run now at 18-3 over the last five minutes or so Pinkerton cheerleaders trying to cheer on the home team they need a bucket and Zavino, did he travel yes he did here on the near baseline again the double team this time from Parham and Graham forced a little shuffling of the feet there
6: just an offensive explosion by the Clippers they were shut out a couple of minutes into the game and now he got 18 on the board 18
5: 18 to 8 here as they look for more 30 seconds to go first quarter with right to so left in their road burgundy uniforms with the gold lettering and white last trim. Shot, Cody, Cody, Here's Graham, shot, and you are hear Coach Mulvey say last shot, so Graham going to pull it out here deep to the near wing. Hey, hey. Guarded by Jay Reynolds who gives him a little bit of room. Now a ball screen comes with nine on the clock. He comes middle with a right-hand dribble, and now he's going to pull up deep three. That one's straight and short. Rebound to Pinkerton, they lose it, and then a three by Sanborn is off target from the near wing as the clock expires. One quarter in the books here in Derry. Pinkerton scored the first five of the game, but 18 of the next 21 go to the Clippers, and Portsmouth is on front by 10 after one. 18-8 to eight, back here to Pinkerton in a moment. You're listening to our FNL Winter Game of the Week presented by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers right here. On ESPN New Hampshire, tune in and ESPNNHradio.com. After eight minutes, Nick Anastas, Coach Mike Bellevue here courtside at Pinkerton Academy in Derry, where the Astros are looking for the upset. They had a good 5 nothing lead about three minutes into the game, but Portsmouth able to catch fire from the arc and extend, well, take the lead and then extend it to double figures. Meanwhile, free throws missed. And a rebound for the Clippers as Parham goes down the near side of the lane and draws a foul. Was bumped along the right side of the body. Still got the right hand shot off, but hit the side of the iron. And Parham is going to head to the free throw line for two, the 5'10 senior.
6: Yeah, Graham comes out, starts the second quarter with a long-range three. And right there, Parham, Sean Parham, great guard for Portsmouth. Nice hesitation move at the elbow. Got himself to the rim and get himself to the foul line where he drains the first one. 21-9
5: 21-9 to nine becomes 22-9 after Parham's free throw is up and in. One more, trying to go two for two, but can't. Off the back iron. Offensive rebound, though, near side wing for Christian Pete. And then he's tied up. Body's now on the floor, and a jump ball is going to be called. Both Pete and Jack Potvin, the junior, just checked in for Pinkerton, tied up at the bottom of that scrum, and the arrow is in favor of the Astros. So the home team in white trailing 22-9. Coach Rosinski on the sideline, his right hand raised over his head with his thumb up. That's an interesting looking play, called the hitchhike. Here's Pinkerton, near side, Reynolds on a baseline drive, got the step but missed the layup. And the ball poked out to Portsmouth. It's Parham right to left on the far sideline, he's going to slow it down. So that sets up Sanborn off the handoff, uh-huh. he's got a three, feeling it in the hole. It's his fourth from downtown.
6: <laughs> Michael Sanborn absolutely feeling it for the Clippers.
5: He's got Coach Rosinski shrugging his shoulders there on the Portsmouth sideline. Clippers reigning threes here, 25-9, to two minutes in the second quarter, and there's an answer, a three up and in. Far side, another reserve for the Astros who had just checked in. That's Matt Fergal, the 6'3", junior, who had some space on the far wing. Oh, you
6: like to see that coming off the bench, not shy about putting up the open tray and draining it. Oh, good lob inside. Tavares
5: score it from the near block, off the window, the right hand. Pretty lob on the assist there from Graham. Oh, absolutely.
6: Cody Graham can do it all. That was a beautiful little touch lob pass inside to Alex Tavares.
5: Looks like a quarterback out there, coach. There you go. Meanwhile, bounce pass taken away in the lane, stolen by Portsmouth. Pete leading a three on one near side. Power oh. on the left hand finish, off the glass. Portsmouth's lead growing 29-12 now, two and a half gone second quarter. Great
6: feed by another quarterback, Christian Pete. But I'll tell you the left hand floating in the lane by Sean Parham.
5: And now what's this here? I a- think we no- got
6: another offense.
5: Yeah. We'll take a travel there in the corner. Another Pinkerton turnover. And now a timeout is called on the floor. With just about three minutes off this second quarter clock, Pinkerton. Trailing now by their largest deficit, Portsmouth in front, 29 to 12.
6: Any questions about Portsmouth coming up from Division Two and making <laughs> their presence felt in Division One, Nick and ask Yeah. Wow.
5: remember they ran the table a year ago in D2, and return
6: return yeah. most of their starters. Yeah. I mean, we're not. They're playing tonight, and they're off to this kind of lead without the big feller in the middle, Joey Glenn. Yeah. And that kid can flat out play.
5: Yeah, he's one of their senior leaders, out for a third straight game. With a right ankle, they have not needed him. Still undefeated on the season. Of course, Portsmouth was Division One before they were Division II. Um, back in the day. Back in the day. Not too back in the day, Right, you right. We you're played right. them in D1 about 15 years ago. They, they dropped down shortly after that, maybe 10 years ago or in that range. And are back home in D1, and they're the team to beat, as we talked about, as we move towards mid-January. 28-12. to 12. They took a point off during the break off the scoreboard. And the correct score is 28-12. to 12. As play resumes, Portsmouth has it right to left. Graham for three, up and in. It's from the near wing this time.
6: They're fun to watch. I mean, if they miss a shot, they got four guys hustling to the rock, keeping the offensive rebound alive. In that case, it was Tavares getting over to Graham, and nothing but net by Cody
5: Graham. He's a scorer. Yeah, he's got six early on, both from downtown, both of his makes. Meanwhile, a long two, up and in, no, up and out by Reynolds. Halfway down, poked out, rebound to Portsmouth. Again, the Clippers looking to push tempo here right to left. they will swing it back to Graham, who's spotted up, but his three is short from the near wing. There Offensive rebound, track down near corner by Tavares. Has Pete up top one time for Parham. Far side three, no. Back iron, but off the bounce a third try. Sanborn, a dribble to his left, a fadeaway three. Hits off the rim twice, no. And now a foul on the rebound is going to come underneath against, I believe, Portsmouth. I think it's Tavares, but I'll tell you what. No, it's actually on Christian oh, Pete. right. Called for a grab there, but either way, it'll be Pinkerton basketball here. Midway through the second quarter, 31-12, Portsmouth.
6: Looks so like we have a sub coming in the game for Portsmouth. Hugh McDonald,
5: number five. 6'3", Junior, going to play along the front line. Portsmouth and a man-to-man. They were switching up the looks early on in the first quarter. And now a drive-and-dump is taken away. Potvin tried to... it inside with the left hand but had it picked off in the lane and Portsmouth gonna slow it down now right to left they lead 31 to 12 and Parham trying to weasel his way to the rim gonna draw a foul it's a shooting foul came down the near side of the lane drew the contact and flung it up near the rim with the right hand foul on Reynolds who was riding him there 15 foul against Pinkerton only two on the other side against Portsmouth first of two is up and in for Parham who's gotten off to a good start for Portsmouth
6: Checking in now Alpha Ports with AJ McManus. He checks out for the red-hot shooting. I mean on-fire shooting Mike Sanborn. Give him just a little rest, but get him back in the game. Come
5: on, Come on, Barham hits the second. Two-for-two two trip. Sanborn, the leading scorer in this one with 14 already. He's on the bench. 33-12 to 12 is the Clipper lead. Pinkerton left to right. Reynolds out of control, and he traveled. Lost his footing along the far side of the lane another Astro turnover here is this smothering clipper defense forcing a number of giveaways so far in this first half
6: yeah the sophomore trying to do a little bit too much there he's definitely Pickerton's go-to scorer
5: meanwhile on the far sideline a steal it's Fergal who intercepts the pass for Pinkerton now the Astros left to right come against a looks like a 1-2-2 zone pass near side is caught with a fouls Potvin now, the defender on his back. It's going to go against McManus' his first, just a third team foul against Portsmouth. Three and a half to go, second quarter, 33 to 12, Clippers in front. Astros trying to finish the half with some something positive to build on. Trying to cut into this margin, which is the largest it's been all night. Here's Bortone, the senior, just came back on the floor, and Stapotvin on the far side, wing. He'll dribble back towards midcourt. Gets it to Reynolds, who runs into Graham. It's an offensive foul. Well, Graham able to plant the feed, draw
4: the charge, and went flying.
6: Does a little bit of everything, doesn't he, Graham? He does. He can shoot it, he can take it to the rim, he can play some defense. Probably drove the bus
5: here tonight. <laughs> the junior, as we talked about, started for Portsmouth as a freshman. Almost hit one of the biggest shots of all time. Nearly a mid-court buzzer beater. In the 2015 championship against Bishop Brady, came up just short. I mean, inches short. Inches. It would have won the game for Portsmouth. But what
6: a finish that was. That was, was a was. tremendous basketball game. And Graham
5: had a good game in that one. Of course, Portsmouth came back to the title last year and, and captured it in Division Two, undefeated. And now back in Division One after a long hiatus of nearly a decade. Three-pointer Bartone near wing. It was challenged by Graham. It's too strong. A weak side rebound to Pete. and Portsmouth has it again, leading 33-12. to 12 right to left coming up on two and a half to go second quarter and a travels called against graham caught it the near corner drove baseline but shuffled the feet a tad before he put it on the floor and these officials have called the travel pretty tightly tonight both ways got a good crowd on hand here student section on the far side far side left i suppose the left section of the breachers there's a cardboard cutout i think of one of the players being held up in one of the back rows And then a lot of folks making the drive from Portsmouth as well to support the Clippers on the road. Here's a steal in the lane again. No one deflected by Pete, taken away by McManus. And now Portsmouth going to slow it down. And new guard is on, Jamal Shahid, a freshman, 5'10", getting his first action of the game for the Clippers. Shahid near side on the baseline drive, got it up and in, high off the window, right hand finish, an explosive first step. The aforementioned Jamal Shahid
6: taking it to the rack
5: 30. with authority <laughs> 35 and 12 meanwhile they're gonna wave this one off Bigger and can't believe it Jack Poppin went right to the rim banked it in but it's an offensive foul yeah I couldn't see who picked up the charge
6: but that's Portsmouth's second time in the last minute or so that they
5: think it was Sanborn your favorite okay, yeah I yeah. like
6: Sanborn that they picked up a charge on the defensive end
5: Sanborn back in after your advice coach a short rest he's had the <laughs> hot hand in this first half for the Clippers 35 to 12 is their lead largest margin of the ball game it continues to grow or it has at least over the last few minutes Clippers threatening to add to the tally here right to left Pete far side of the baseline and nope and a shot partially blocked taken away in the lane by Fergal for Pinkerton Fergal will bring it left to right Fergal a crossover into the lane now back up top for Potvin in chase by Shahid, gets by Shahid, down the lane, left hand, and that scoop shot won't go. Trickles off the side iron, Shahid able to keep his balance wow. and the dribble at the same time for Portsmouth to clear the board. Far side, now Sanborn is wide open, that three halfway down, but out. Rebound, Andrew Lufkin, who just came on, the sophomore for Pinkerton, grabs a two-hand rebound. He's the kicker, of course, for the football team, one of the better legs in the state. Down to one minute to go, first half. Astros trying to limit the damage before the break, and they'll get a bucket here. Bortone off balance, but got it high over two defenders down the near side of the lane to make it 35-14. Yeah,
6: a real nice move right there by Nick Bortone. I think that's his cardboard picture in the stands. I'm able to put the two faces together. (laughs) One heck of a move right there, though.
5: Smith against man-to-man pressure here. Inside of 40 seconds, looking to get that two back. Pete Farside leaves it in the middle. One dribble for McDonald, and he's got the banker. Hugh McDonald, got a bigger beard than I do out there, coach. Looking pretty good (laughs) off the bench for Portsmouth.
6: I can't even, I'll tell you what, I can't even grow a beard. (laughs)
5: So I'm envious.
6: But I'm most envious about the way Portsmouth's moving the ball on offense, whether it's inside or outside.
5: Bartone looking for a second bucket. Can't get it there on the step back. Straightaway three, missed off back iron. Rebound to Portsmouth, right to left, inside of 10 seconds. They lead 37-14. The bench counting out the time. We're down to four. Shaheed on the near side. No room. Has to fade away. A prayer is going to go off the glass as the buzzer sounds. <laughs> Shaheed with a fadeaway. Bank shot that he never called, but he'll certainly take. Got it over the defender Potman, who stood frozen after that one went in with his right hand still extended, as if to say there's nothing else I could do. Five off the bench for the freshman in that second quarter for Portsmouth. And Shaheen's Clippers. 40 to 14 there in front at the midway point. This despite the slow start to begin the game in which they fell down 5 nothing.
6: Yeah, a slow start that didn't last for more than 2 minutes. These guys can flat out get up and down the floor. And a whistle. it was kind of interesting. I just watched Joey Glenn and he kind of rolled his eyes at that last bank shot off the board. He gave a little whistle. The I might say the bow tie Joey Glenn looking yeah. rather dapper tonight.
5: Yeah. Yeah, he's uh He's got he's, the look going. He's blazing trails for sure <laughs> on the bench tonight for Pankerton or uh, Portsmouth. And Clippers have not needed him in the previous two games. He's missed. They haven't needed him tonight as well. Forty to fourteen, an explosion for about a quarter and a half for Portsmouth as they look to maintain their unbeaten status tonight in our FNL winner game of the week. Coverage presented as always by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers. Basque with new imaging options at both Basque. Imaging.com and BedfordSurgical.com by Apple Therapy. They're taking care of Coach Bellevue now, and they can take care of you as well. Log on to AppleTherapy.com. You can also find out more information about the 2017 Apple Therapy Student-Athlete Scholarship Program by our friends at the NHOC, the New Hampshire Orthopedic Center, where we keep bodies in motion, by Quiznos in Nashua, 290 Main Street. They've got their own parking lot. And by my man, Steve Beals of Beals Insurance, providing the Beals Insurance scoreboards. 40-14 to 14 is the score at half. Pickerton with some things to address at the Midway Point. Portsmouth looking to keep it in cruise control. We'll take a break and send things back to Mark Breton and Tim Glenday back in our studio. They'll get you caught up with all the games around the state. And we'll see you for the second half. In just a few minutes, you're listening to the FNL Winter Game of the Week presented by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers here on ESPN New Hampshire. Tune in at ESPNNHradio.com.